who the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Let me see what else I got marked here. All right, let's go to Luke the 10th chapter. Well, we'll lay a foundation for where I'm going now. I feel good in the Lord today. Old body feeling a little rough, but I feel good in the Lord. You know, we spent 10 hours. It was 10 hours driving down there and back, but I don't care if it'd been 20, I'd still win. You know, to help my sister. Sister Sheila's a, she's a great servant of the Lord. God's used her greatly. She's ministered many things in many people's lives and helped a lot of people. So, when one of you fellow laborers needs you, you do everything you can to help them. Verse 17 in Luke 10. The 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, Behold, or I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the devils are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. Man, I appreciate the Lord today. One more scripture, 1 Corinthians, 2nd chapter. Turn my, turn my monitors on down. Thank monitors you, Lord. Down. I think that's better. Can y'all still hear me okay? Okay. 1 Corinthians, 2nd chapter, and we're going to start the very first verse. Now, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declared unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want to talk to you just a little bit today, and I'll try to tie it all together. On the kingdom of heaven is at the door. The kingdom of heaven, the authority and dominion of God, once again living in man, it's upon us. It's upon us. It's here. And we have got to realize that these men right here, they were just given power. They didn't do anything to earn it. They didn't do anything to deserve it. They didn't have no teaching. Jesus just gave power and they went out and done what he told them. But when the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, they received that power for themselves. Because he told them in Luke 24, he said, you tarry, Luke 24 verse 49, you tarry until you be endued with power from on high. And I think a lot of people have received what they call the Holy Ghost and talked in tongues, but they never tarried for the power of the Spirit to set down in them. And I think it's time to tarry. 
I think it's time to start pressing on God for what we read right here and all these signs. Why? The kingdom's here. I'm telling y'all, the kingdom of heaven is one more time at the doors. It is at the door. It is here. And it's time for us to just plain old repent and believe the gospel. What gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. Now we'll go back to Matthew, the third chapter. And I got notes on all this. I'll, I'll give them to you. I got notes from last week. Sorry, I just didn't have time to get them uh, printed up last week. Matthew, the third chapter. In the very first verse it says, And in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Y'all see what John came preaching? John came getting us ready for the kingdom of heaven to be revealed. He came getting people ready. Amen? Amen. He said, Y'all get ready for the kingdom. They didn't know what he was talking about. They had no idea what he was talking about. But he told them, he said, prepare. I've been sent to prepare the way of the Lord. I believe I've been sent to prepare the way of the Lord again in this day for the kingdom of heaven to be revealed. And in uh, Matthew 4, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, in verse 17, or let's back up to uh, verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Now, now let's go into verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was trying to let them know the power and dominion of God had come to visit man. And several places in the scripture, he said, when you see demons cast out, when you see sickness is healed, when you see all these things happening, know that the kingdom of heaven has come nigh to you. It's been close to you. Well, I'm telling y'all, there's a great deliverance move of miracles and power and authority that's fixing to come nigh to us one more time, and we're going to know the kingdom of heaven has come down. If we want this, we're going to have to step out in faith and dare to believe that God has worked something in us. Because I'm going to seek God till He does. Yes. You know that scripture that tells you to knock and it shall be opened? Yes. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. It's talking about the kingdom. It ain't talking about salvation. It's talking about the kingdom. Amen. You don't seek for salvation till it's given to you. You don't ask for it till it's given to you. You don't knock till it's open to you. You want to repent, you just go get on your knees and repent, and the Lord will save you. He'll forgive your sins. But because your sins are forgiven, don't mean you've got the power and you've got the Holy Ghost. You've got to seek for that. You've got to seek for this authority of the kingdom. God ain't just going to put this in people he can't trust. But I'm telling you, there's a visitation of the Spirit of God that we have never had, and it ain't going to come like the day of Pentecost. When it came like the day of Pentecost in their day, that was new to them. But now everybody's expecting tongues. 
Everybody's expecting to shout. Everybody's expecting something to happen. They're going to call it the Holy Ghost. Now this fullness of Christ is going to bring His nature, going to bring His compassion, going to bring His forgiveness, going to bring His mercy. Is He going to bring power? Yes, sir. But it's going to come different uh, than the former rain. Uh, because if it doesn't, uh, then people are going to think they got this latter rain just because they feel God. No, this brings the nature of Christ. This bringing the nature of Christ. Is something fixing to come in you? Oh, yeah. But you're going to start thinking different. You're going to start looking at things different. You're going to start hearing things different. You're going to start acting different. Why? Because the very Christ has stepped inside here and something's changing in the way you're doing things. You get Christ in here, something start changing. I was preaching in Fort Payne a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, and I said, boy, everybody can quote that scripture in Colossians 1, 26 and 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I said, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean you got a Holy Ghost? Does that mean you got a quarter of Christ, half of Christ, three quarters of Christ? Or you got the fullness of Christ? Christ in you, the hope of glory, means the fullness of the Christ has been revealed in you. But everybody run around and quote me, Christ in you the hope of glory, and don't even know that it means the full revealing of the very Christ, the dominion and authority and power of God, that Jesus, when he stepped back down on this earth after his resurrection, said, Now all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you power over all devils. I'm giving you power over all the power of the enemy. I'm giving you power over the wind. I'm giving you power over the waves. I'm giving you power that I had when I walked here on this earth. Why? All power in heaven and earth is now put in my hand. There might be a day you multiply the fish in the loaves. There might be a day you need to pay your taxes. And I look here, but Donald, go out there in the woods and take you 30 out six. And that first deer you shoot, go over and look in his mouth. And there will be a bag of money. Well, that's what Jesus told Peter when they went in that city. See, we we think these things are far stretched. No, they ain't far stretched. God's told us He will supernaturally provide food, provide clothing, provide finances. God has told us He's fixing to reveal Himself in a way our generation has never seen Him. But y'all believe it? I believe Him. I believe Him. I believe he's God. And I believe there's no other God beside him. And I believe the fullness of him lives in Jesus. Did y'all know Jesus appeared right here in the flesh? Stood right here. Did you know he's still flesh? Yeah. He's glorified, but he's flesh. Because when he appeared to the disciples, he told them, he said, Here, handle me. Grab on to me. He said, I ain't a ghost. He said, a ghost, that's not flesh and bone. As you see me have, I ain't a ghost. Here, feel me. And he felt of him. He said, see the nail prints? In my hands, look here at my side where they pierced me with a spear. Look at my feet. He said, he said, it's me. He said, I am flesh and bone. Are you listening to me? And if he stood right here, 
fleshy bone body. Yeah, he would be God manifest in the full authority and power and dominion because the fullness of God now rests bodily in him. The fullness of the Godhead is where I rest in bodily in Christ Jesus. He is our God. He is our God. He is our God manifest. Are y'all hearing me? He said it. He said all power in heaven and earth is now in me. And he said, I'm going to impart something. I'm going to give you something. I want you to have power over devils. I want you to have power over sickness. I want you to have power over disease. I want you to have power to preach the gospel to the poor. When Jesus started in Luke 24, in Luke 4 and 18, He said, the Spirit of the Lord's on me. He said, He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That was repentance. Amen? That was salvation. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. I'm going to tell you the other day, that funeral, the Spirit of the Lord heals some broken hearts. It heals some broken hearts. I mean, before I even got out of Savannah, Sister Pat done called me. She said, Brother John. I said, what? We just got on the road coming out of Savannah. She said, I heard about that funeral. I said, really? She said, yes. She said, they said God used you and ministers to some people and done some great things. I said, well, all I was was a vessel. That's all I'll ever be is a vessel. I will not take credit. I will not try to take glory. I, all I'm going to do is what God tells me. And I said, I had many people come up to me and tell them what I said helped them. It helped them in things they were fighting with. It helped Sister Sharon and what she was wrestling with about her daughter that died a little over a year ago, right about a year ago. It helped her. It brought some peace. It brought some closure. But see, that wasn't what God spoke to me for. But I had several people come up to me and say, Brother Better, I ain't never, I ain't never heard God speak like this. And I had two or three different people say, For such a thing is a beautiful funeral. This funeral was beautiful. Well, see, God. God used Chris in his life and then he used him in his death to magnify and glorify God, to honor God. And that's what we need. The name of Jesus lifted up. The name of Jesus lifted up. But Jesus said, I'm anointed to mend the brokenhearted. Then he said, I'm anointed to preach deliverance to the captive. I'm anointed to set at liberty them that are bruised. Do you know how many people out here have been wounded and hurt by religion? Do you know how many people out here that preachers have wounded and nearly destroyed out of religion? He said, I'm anointed to pick them up. I'm anointed to bind up their wounds. I'm anointed, hallelujah, to preach recovering of sight to the blind and declare the acceptable year of the Lord. I was praying the other night and the Lord spoke to me and said, that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Preach the gospel to the poor. Mend the brokenhearted. Preach deliverance to the captive. Set at liberty them that are bruised. Preach recovery of sight to the spiritually blind. And to declare that every 49 years, 
And that's what it is. Every 49 years is a year of jubilee that all debts are forgiven. Everybody's set free from every debt. Every slave is set free. Are you hearing me? In the year of jubilee, if you owned a slave, you had to set him free. You had to set him free. All debts were forgiven. All financial debts. All indebtedness. All bond servants. All bond maidens were set free. My God, we in the year of jubilee. We in the acceptable year of the Lord. And God set everything free and he's getting us ready to go and preach this kingdom. We ain't just going to go preach good messages. All people do now is preach good messages. He said, no, you're going to preach repentance to the poor. You're going to mend the broken hearted. You're going to have an anointing to bind up that wound in that heart. You're going to have an anointing to preach deliverance to the captive. You're going to have an anointing to preach recovering of sight to the blind. To bind up the wounds. Hallelujah. I am going to anoint you with the authority of the kingdom. And the authority over all devils. Over all power of the enemy. And you're going to do what the disciples done in Mark 6. You're going to go out and anoint many with oil and heal many sicknesses and cast out many devils. Because the kingdom's here. The kingdom's here. I'm telling you, it's right at the door. Maybe be careful you hear a knock on the door and what you go open. They ain't going to tell you what you'll find. The kingdom will be standing there so let me in. Let me in. And you know what was so good about the way God moved? I quoted about three scriptures. And I sat with Sister Sheba and Brother Elbert talking to them. When we was eating after the funeral services, she said, every scripture you quoted, she said, God spoke it in my heart. Hallelujah. said, God spoke it in my heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I was trying to remember where that was that the Lord gave me because God just spoke it to me. I believe it's 55 in Isaiah. Yeah, verse 11. It says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing that I sent it. God told me Chris had accomplished what God sent him forth to do. And he said, My word did not return void. Did he have a great life of ministry and deliverance and healing and great signs and miracles and gifted? No, that wasn't his calling. His calling, and this is what the Lord spoke to me in Proverbs 27, 17, said his calling was for iron to sharpen the iron. Hallelujah. He said, because him and his mama went at it. Then when he would be going through them trials, him and his mama went at it, and it was iron sharpening iron. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. But that was his calling. That was his choosing. And that's what he accomplished. Are you hearing me? Y'all think everybody just called him God's going to be an apostle or a prophet? Let me tell you something. 1 Corinthians 12 and 28 says this. For God has set some in the church. First apostles. Secondarily prophets. Thirdly miracles. After that, 
that uh, uh, teachers gifts of healings helps governments uh, so God has set many gifts uh, in the church and all of them uh, ain't going to be pulpit ministries uh, sister Deborah you may never stand in a pulpit and hold a microphone uh, but there's a calling of God uh, and it might be that your iron has to sharpen his iron uh, I don't know what God's going to do uh, but I know there's many calls uh, and there's many anointed there's many helps uh, and there's many governments and every one of us uh, are called of God to fulfill uh, a purpose in this kingdom uh, and then when the word of the Lord is ministered and goes out uh, it ain't coming back I think he handed I heard a preacher preach this back in the 80's he was preaching about the word of the Lord and he said he said the Lord was up in heaven and the word of the Lord come back knocked on the gate said yeah what is it he said I'm the word of the Lord you sent out to Kathy Conrad uh -huh. have you accomplished what I sent you out to do there ain't no way she just ain't gonna listen to me. I've tried every way in the world to get her to listen to the word of the Lord and perform what you told it. Said, but I just can't get it done. He said, you get yourself back down there. And you accomplish the very thing that I sent you for to do. Because you ain't coming back here void. You ain't coming back here empty. You are not welcome here, word of the Lord, till you accomplish the thing that I spoke until you cause uh, the vessel I spoke to prosper uh, in the thing that I've decreed. Now, get yourself down there. I said, man, that's good. I ain't thought about that in years. But when God speaks a word out of the anointing out of a true vessel, that word's going to accomplish what God sent him to do, it don't matter what kind of shape God's going to put you in. It don't matter how God's going to buffet you or cause heartache or trouble or sorrow in your life. The Lord's going to perform it. His word and His will. And He said, my word will prosper in the thing I sent it out to do and it will accomplish and perform my will. Y'all see that? So it don't matter. It may take the word of the Lord 10 years. But some of that thing will last on you, hog tie you, and get you where you're going to perform the will of God. Why? Because God spoke it. God said it. He said, I am not a man that I should lie, neither the son of man that I should repent. Have I not said it? Shall I not do it? Have I not spoken it? Shall it not surely come to pass? Highland said, You just get ready. You just get ready because God is fixing to hasten his word to perform it. I quoted that scripture, Sister Sheila told me. I think she told me, she said, I ain't been no time that God spoke that in my spirit. God spoke that word in my spirit that he would accomplish, that his word would not return void. Do you realize that God that created the heavens and the earth when he speaks something? I, I don't care if it's through a, 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 a prophecy. I don't care if it's through a laying on of hands. I don't care if it's through a word of knowledge. I, I don't care if God gives it to you in a dream or a vision or just speaks in your heart. I, God is going to accomplish I, his will. I, and the, the thing about it is, he doesn't even know about it. He doesn't even know about it. 
scream, protest, lay down for a temper tantrum. Tell God you ain't gonna do it. Oh yeah, you will. <laughs> I told somebody one time, I said, You may not serve God. And God ain't gonna make you serve you. Then sure will make you wish you had him. <laughs> King. God didn't make Jonah serve you. God told Jonah what to do. Jonah went out and got a ship, went the other direction. He was, he's going the complete opposite direction. He got out there in the storm coming. Jonah went and told him, man. He said, all this has caused me, and they didn't believe him for a long time. He said, y'all throw me overboard. This storm will stop. Man, he started getting so bad, they picked him up by his ankle and his wrist. They heaved him over the side. When they heaved him over the side, that big well caught him. He stopped. Jonah spent three days and three nights down that well's belly. Seaweed wrapped around his neck. Choking down salt water. Down there, all that fish was being digested. Nasty, stinky, smelly. And Jonah said, Out of the belly of hell. <laughs> I cried unto the Lord out of the belly of hell. Is that what the word says? Let me tell you something. God got something for you to do and you ignore it. He puts you in the belly of hell. He puts you in the belly of hell. He gets your attention. That's why I want to be pliable in God's hands. I don't want to be one that says to God, now look, I don't know what you're doing, but I don't appreciate what you're doing to me, and I don't know why you're making me this way. But keep your mouth shut. Bible said, why does the thing form say to him that formed you, why have you made me thus? It ain't none of your business what God's doing. It ain't none of the business how God's forming you and how God's making you. God's creating you according to his will. Are you hearing me? God's creating you according to his will. When I first started out in ministry, I couldn't get open doors. Preachers wouldn't let me in. I'd call them up and I'd say, look, I'm Brother Metter and I'm so-and-so. I don't know you. I said, I know you don't know me, but I'm called of God and I'd like to preach a revival. And won't you pray about it? Okay. Oh, you know what I had to do? I had to get out on the street, preach on the street corners. I had to go in the jails. I had to go in the prisons. I had to go in the hospitals. I had to go in the nursing homes. I had to go out there and use the gift and the calling of God. And then I got a little tent. In 1978, went in the tent ministry. Go put the tent up. Didn't have a tribe trailer. First time I put my tent up was in Rome, Georgia, 1978. July. Because I remember it well. I went in there and talked to all the city officials, went and talked to the fire department. And I said, I want to put a tent up. Man's gave me permission to use the property. He said, Well, as long as you can't fireproof, you go ahead. I put the tent up on a Sunday. Monday morning, I woke up. I had six city cars around my tent. I don't know why I had that tent up right there. Fire chief, sir. I said, You told me I could. He said, I didn't do no such thing. I said, Yeah, you did. He told me if my tent was fireproof. He said, It's fireproof. I said, As far as I know. He said, we're going to find out. He walked over there to the tent flap, took a pocket knife, and cut a piece off of it. He cut a piece off my curtain flap. About six, eight inches long, about three inches, cut a piece off of it. Took a cigarette lighter and lit it and held it under, held it under, held it under, held it under. It wouldn't spark. It wouldn't flame. It, it, it just barely got hot. 
he held it under for a good minute, minute and a half. He said, get white and get white. Trying to get that tent in front of him. Looked at me and said, well, I guess you'll change. We're going to let you have your revival. I said, thank you. It had no travel trailer. It had a platform. That piece of four-way carpet. That was my platform that started. It had no chairs. I borrowed a bunch of these old metal bench ends. One bought some rust saw and two by sixes and slid between them. Set them up. Had revival. God moved and delivered some folks. Stayed under the tent in the middle of July. Had a square in tent. Had a little corner where I had a curtain drawn across it. That's where I had my clothes. Had a little cooler. And I stayed in that tent 24-7 and walked in grounds and prayed. Most of the time I prayed all night. Finally, I got the money to buy me some two by fours or two by sixes and put me a piece of plywood on it, put it down, put the carpet on it, top of the platform. Somebody finally brought me an old army cot because you know where I was sleeping? On that piece of carpet, on that gravel with a blanket and a pillow. That's where I started tent ministry. Didn't have a travel trailer. Had a sound system, had a generator, and went in debt for those. And that's where I started. Been going ever since. Finally, somebody brought me an old army cot and I slept on that. I'd be out there walking and praying. There was a, a cop on third shift. He'd come by my tent every night and he'd shine in the spotlight. If he didn't see me, he'd get out and come in and look for me. Sometimes I'd be in there on my knees praying. Sometimes I'd be walking the grounds praying. Sometimes I'd already lay down, but he always come check on me and I'd always talk to him about the Lord. I always talk to him about the Lord. Impacted lives, souls got saved, people got delivered. Why? Because I was determined. I was determined I was going to persevere and I was going to preach this gospel of healing and this gospel of deliverance. I was preaching the kingdom when I didn't know what the kingdom was. But I was preaching that my God's a healer, a savior, a deliverer, and I expected God to demonstrate it. When I preached on healing and tell you God healed you and I laid hands on you, I expected you to get healed. And 99 times out of 100, they got healed. There was a few that didn't, but they got healed. They got delivered. They got set free. Why? Because I believed. It's time to repent and believe the gospel. It's time to repent and believe the kingdom of heaven is one more time at hand. Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. When Paul come preaching, he said, I didn't come to y'all fancy words. I'm not a fancy word preacher. He said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. But I came to you in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. Y'all seen the power of God manifest in my life. But I preach it and I believe it. I seek God. I believe that when you speak the word, Brother Kevin, God's going to confirm it with signs and wonders following. To bear witness is the truth. Amen. People don't like the way I preach. They say, I preach too hard. I tell them, no, you just live too loose. <laughs> I preached down in Savannah one year under the tent. A lady comes to Sister Daniels and told us, and said, will you have a talk with Brother Meadows? She said, well, I can. Why? She said, he just preaches too hard. She said, ma'am, she said, how can you take the word of God and read it? And that man's preaching the word and say he's preaching too hard, he's preaching the word. How do you preach too hard when you preach the word? So it's just too hard to live like he preaches. You telling me the Bible's too hard? 
Well, well, no, that ain't what I'm saying. It's just, he's hard. Okay. So she told me what she said. I said, I'll pray about it. And I looked for there for a while. I had a, I had a straight, hard spirit on me, but it's what I come up under. I didn't know nothing any different. But God's changed me. God's changed me a lot. Y'all didn't know me in the 80s and 90s? No. Yeah, changed. Yeah. I've changed a lot. Had my brother here. Changed a lot. But I believe we're at the place, the kingdom of heaven. So one more time at hand. I'm going to read the scripture. If I can find it. I know there's one in Matthew, and I think it's in Mark 13. The one I marked. Let me see if I can find it. I hope y'all enjoying this day. I'm having a good time. I appreciate the Lord today. where I want to start a family scripture. It's Mark, the 13th chapter. Just read the biggest part of it. Starting at about verse 8. But I want to go on over to verse uh, 23. Oh, excuse me just a second. told you all things. But in those days after that tribulation the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. The stars of the heaven shall fall and powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they say or they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Now those clouds that are people that ain't, that ain't talking about him fixing to come back and, and do his fire. That ain't what he's talking about. Right there, that's talking about them clouds and people. How many of you have ever read Hebrews 11 where you see you're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses? He's talking about people. Clouds in the scripture references to people. All right, and stay with me. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of the heaven. Now, verse 28. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and put a four leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. And that means the fullness of Christ, the fullness of the kingdom, is at the door and it's fixing to be revealed in us. It's fixing to be revealed in us. When all these other things are happening here, we're going to be walking as Jesus walked on this earth in the ministry of the Son of Man. We're going to have great miracles, but we're not going to have the fullness of the kingdom until we... He said, when you see all these things, all these signs begin to come to pass, he said, no, that the kingdom of heaven is nigh, even at the doors. That's the only thing he's ever said. It's at the doors, the kingdom of heaven. All right, now stay with me, because I'm fixing to take you somewhere. So in like manner, when you see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. What generation was Jesus talking about? 
He was not talking about his generation. He was talking about the generation that will be on the earth when all these signs and things he was talking about was happening. He said, that generation ain't going to pass until all these things I've spoken shall be fulfilled. It didn't happen in his generation. This didn't happen in his generation. Now, did it? No. The sun didn't turn to Marcus. The moon didn't turn to blood. We didn't see all these signs in the heavens. And he gave this parable of the fig tree. It, uh, that's about a restoring. That's coming out of winter into summer. He said, when you see the fig tree shoot forth or where it's been dead, where there's been nothing there because you've been through a winter, you've been through a night season. He said, no, when you start seeing signs of life and you start seeing blooms and you see the fig tree putting things on, know that you're nigh to the kingdom of God when all these things start coming to pass. Am I making sense to you? All right, let's go to Joel 2, and I'll try to tie all this in. I appreciate the Lord today. Okay, I'm in Joel 2, and I'm at verse 21. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beast of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the trees bear their fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Jesus said when you see the fig tree, when the fig tree and all the trees and you see the fig tree and the vine yield their strength, that means they're putting out everything they got. They're giving you everything they got. Are y'all with me? That's why Jesus gave this parable. He was referring back to Joel and the fig tree. Be glad in the children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he hath given you the former rain moderately and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain. Now the children of Zion is who? The church. So the Lord said here, be glad, church. Be glad ye children's been called. Be glad ye that's been brought into the church. Well, the church wasn't created until the day of Pentecost come in. So he's talking about something that's already happened. Okay? When he says, he hath given you the former rain, which is Pentecost, moderately, or he's given it to you in a measure, but he's going to cause to come down for you in this restoration when the fig tree begins to bloom, when all the trees, when everything begins to happen, when new life begins to come. He said, that's the restoration he's talking about. And he's going down to verse 25, and he says... 24, and the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil, and I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, and the caterpillar, uh, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Now, if you read Joel 1, he talks about a famine. I'm going to stop and break this down. I can see y'all looking at me funny. Joel 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath it been in your day, or even in the days of your fathers, tell ye your children of it? Let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. That which the locust has left, hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm has left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake ye drunkards, and weep and howl, all ye drinkers of wine. Because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. What's the new wine? Somebody tell me, what's the new wine? Holy Ghost. There was no new wine in the Old Testament. You didn't, you, you didn't, you didn't drink wine in the Old Testament. The wine's the Spirit. So the new wine is what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to bring new wine, but I'm not going to put it in old bottles. 
Is that what he said? So he was trying to get people ready for the day of Pentecost. So if here in the very first chapter, the very first few verses, he's saying the new wine is cut off, it couldn't be cut off till it was given. Are y'all following? It had to be given before it could be cut off. So that right there is talking about he's cut the meat offering, which is the word. He's cut the drink offering, which is the spirit. All from the house of God, when you go on down and read it, he talks about the harvest perishing in the fields. There was no harvest under the law. The harvest was, what did Jesus say? The fields, the world. The harvest is ripe, souls, but the laborers are few. He said the harvest is perished. So what was he talking about? He was talking about the day of Pentecost had already come. It had already come. Joel didn't know this. He was prophesying. But he's just prophesying what God, the day of Pentecost had already come. Y'all following with me? So he gets over here in Joel 2 and he starts talking about restoring. He starts talking about bringing back everything that the early church had. Plus, on top of that, he said, I'm going to cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter rain. We ain't never had the latter rain. They've had the former rain, we've had the rain. We ain't never had the latter rain. Now follow with me. Verse 26. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that dealt wondrously with you. My people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward. After what? Are y'all reading the same Bible I'm reading? Mm -hmm. It says, It shall come to pass afterward, saith God. After what? After the restoration. It's going to come to pass after the restoration that I shall pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. God ain't never poured his spirit out all over the world at the same time. He ain't never poured it out on all flesh at the same time. Now, has he? Have y'all ever heard where God poured his spirit out all over the world at the same time? Never has. What's he getting us ready for? The final move. The fullness of the Christ. So hang with me. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon thy servants and upon thy handmaids in those days, I will pour out of my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and gunners of smoke. We didn't see that on the day of Pentecost. That didn't happen on the day of Pentecost. Y'all follow with me? Didn't happen on the day of Pentecost. All right, now let's go to this very next verse, 31. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Okay, that didn't happen on the day of Pentecost. But it did happen in Mark 13 when Jesus said immediately after the tribulation. You're going to see the sun turn to darkness. You're going to see the moon turn to blood. And you're going to see the Son of Man coming in power with clouds, with great glory. What's he saying? I'm fixing to bring forth the people in my fullness. I'm fixing to bring forth the sons of God ministry at this time. This latter reign of the Holy Ghost. Book of Joel is not the former reign of the Holy Ghost that we've been taught. I preached it for years, Sister Pat. This was the former reign of the Holy Ghost that God poured out on them. It's going to pour out on us. He ain't going to pour it out on us. That second chapter right there, starting the 28th verse, that's the fullness of Christ. That's the latter reign of the Holy Ghost. Because all this other stuff had already done happen and it had already been taken away. The cake worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, the locust, all of it, they need it. They need it done. Then took it away from us. Where God's people at right now? Nothing. Say what you want to. We're handicapped. We're held back. Why? From the time the day of Pentecost came in and started moving, the caterpillar, the canker worm, the palmer worm, 
the locusts all down through the years. They've eaten everything. They've taken everything away from God's people. And here we are in a place we got to have God move. we got to have, because people are saying, where's your God? Where's your God? Where's your God? Where's he at? Oh, he's real. Well, where is he? Why ain't he coming to your rescue? Why ain't he moving? Why, why, why ain't the God of that Bible showing up? Are y'all with me? So we got to seek God for the kingdom to come. What did he say in Matthew 6, 33? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Seek it first. It's what I preached last week. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek it first. Seek it first. He didn't say go seek power. He, didn't. he said seek first the kingdom of heaven for Christ to be revealed in you. Seek first. Seek first. Because people were saying, where's your God? Where's he at? Show me. Show me your God. The whole earth has stood up against the Lord and against his anointing. Saying, where's your God? Where's your God? Amen. Where's your God? They fix to see my God, but they won't see him the way they don't want him. They fix to see God of wrath. They fix to see God of anger. They fix to see God of judgment. At the same time, we're going to see a move of the kingdom of God. So, Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, he said, no one understands. He said, the kingdom's at the door. The fullness of God. We're going to be walking in the ministry of the Son of Man. Man, there's something that's going to happen. I feel it. Yes. I don't know how many of y'all got that prophecy or that service from 2014 where I spoke about all them earthquakes over in New Zealand and Japan and all over there. There have been five major earthquakes over there since November 14th. Five. 7.5 and higher. And that's what God said when I spoke on November the 14th. I mean, November the 9th, 2014, in Fort Payne. He said that whole region over there is going to be shook with earthquakes. Seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, and on up to nine. There have been five major earthquakes, 7.5 and greater, since November the 14th last year. And I was telling people the ministry of the Son of Man speaks a step on the scene. The life that Jesus lived on this earth. He said, sit down in us. And see, I believe it. I believe it. You gotta believe it. You gotta step forth in it. You gotta step forth in this. Because everywhere Jesus went and preached the gospel of the kingdom, signs, wonders, miracles, demons come out, lunatics were healed. We going in preaching, but ain't nothing being manifested. So we gotta back up. Quit preaching all these good messages. Start preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Start letting people know the kingdom of heaven's at hand. This will be the year I'm going to declare the gospel of the kingdom more than I ever have. And if they like me, they like me. If they don't, they don't. But I'm going to preach what God gives me. And that's this gospel of the kingdom. Why? It's at the door. It's at the door. See, when I preach like this, this is what our Bible studies for on Tuesday night. Right. People sitting right. And yeah, Bible study comes Tuesday night. Brother Miller's going to explain this. Because <laughs> I know you ain't going to get it all. Let me preach it. Because there's a lot that I just skim over when I'm preaching. But I do try to break it down. You know, so you can understand. I want you to understand. I'm not here just to preach. I want you to understand the kingdom. I want you to seek for it. Amen. Is that all right? Let's seek for this kingdom. Let's seek for this kingdom.
because we fix to see a lot of sirens come to pass. We're already seeing a lot of sirens come to pass. We're already seeing a lot of people step out there and say, well, I'm Christ, I'm anointed. Man, you got churches with 8, 10, 12, 15,000 in them, 20,000, and ain't nothing but flesh. But they're saying, I'm anointed. I'm of God. And they're preaching the kingdom as natural prosperity and material gain. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is Christ in you. His nature, His mind, His spirit, His love, His compassion, His forgiveness, His understanding, and yes, His power. The very nature of Christ being revealed right here. Amen. I pray this word's been a blessing to you today. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's get ready. Amen. Let's get ready. Okay. So we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your love, your mercy, your wisdom, and understanding. Open our hearts to this, Lord. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the Spirit is speaking. In Jesus' name. Amen. Did I lose you, Sister Pat? No, I had a question. Okay. Up here on the Sermon on the Mount, where uh -huh. he talks about, <clears throat> excuse me, blessed is the poor in his spirit, for the earth is the kingdom of heaven. Yes. That's the same kingdom. Same right? kingdom. Kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, you know, same thing. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, mm -hmm. for theirs is the kingdom of right. heaven. Right. Because when he talks a lot about the kingdom. It is. Because that's what Jesus come preaching, the gospel of the yes. kingdom. That's all he preached. Yeah, okay. He just didn't preach repentance. He just didn't preach salvation. If you look at the gospel of Luke 4 and verse 43, they was trying to hold him in a certain town. He said, I must go to other cities and towns and preach the gospel of the kingdom. But that's what I'm set forth to do. Yeah. Everywhere he went, he preached this gospel of the kingdom. You look at Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It talks about the kingdom of God and who's going to inherit it. That's the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. Men in the broken heart, set at liberty them that are bruised. Preaching and recovering of sight to the blind. Preaching deliverance to the captive. That's the gospel of the kingdom. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And we're not doing it. We're not doing it. You say, well, Brother Matter, we got to have something to get in and seek for. It's time to seek for it. Amen. Time for letting all these other things bind us up, slow us down, get our minds distracted. And I know we got responsibilities. I understand that. But Jesus said, better be careful. Cares of the slightful. Get a hold of you. And they get a hold of you, they'll choke out the fruit. They'll choke out the word. And you'll bring forth no fruit to perfection. No fruit to completeness. You won't bring nothing forth. Because you let the cares of this life all your responsibilities. You hear me? You let it choke out the word. You let it choke out the word. You know, y'all look at me preaching here. When I was preaching under my tents for the last couple of years, probably the last three or four years, before the Lord had me slow down, I had to raise $250, $300 a day to stay on the field. Had full-time help. Had three or four travel trailers, two or three pickups, two big trucks, two tents, five or six radio broadcasts. And I, was, I had that responsibility on me. To get out there and raise $250, $300 a day. Almost $10,000 a month to keep the ministry going at that time. But I never let it push me out of my dedication to the kid. I kept my heart before the Lord because I knew that's 
what the people needed. That's where the victory was for the people. I wasn't out there to make a name for myself. I was out there to help folks. A lot of preachers start out good. But when they grow, they get overwhelmed, they get overloaded, and they start destroying trying to raise money. And we lose their relationship with God. You've got to keep that relationship with God. Because that is where the power, that's where the kingdom is. It's in that relationship. Amen. I appreciate the Lord today. Have you enjoyed this word? Yes. Give the Lord a great praise. Come on. Hallelujah. I appreciate the Lord today. Now I want to tell y'all this. Uh, April the 26th, which is a Wednesday. 27th is a Thursday. 28th is Friday. And 29th is a Saturday. We're going to be in Fort Payne. We're going to have Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night service at 7 o'clock. Saturday will be at 11 o'clock. If any of y'all make plans and come down and be in that service, I think it'd be good. Because we're going to have some different preachers come in than what we've had in Fort Payne. And I'm reaching out to new preachers. I'm reaching out to preachers that are hungry for this. Some different preachers. Amen. There's nothing against any of the older ones I've had in Fort Payne in years past. But I, I feel like God has directed me to get some new vessels in there and minister into people's lives. So write those dates down. If you can come be with us, especially on that Saturday. I know y'all can't come during the week. But come on that Saturday. Set it aside. And it, the service will start at 11 o'clock. That's central time. So it'll be 12 o'clock Eastern time. So I'll give you plenty of time to get up, go eat breakfast, and ride to Fort Payne. Because <laughs> it's not that far. It's probably, what, two hours to camping. Right at two hours. Two and a half traffic's bad, but about two hours. And I believe y'all enjoy being there with us. You can see how God's blessed Fort Payne. We started a church about this size, Sister Pat. Look, right back, it resembles this church a whole lot. Y'all remember, y'all used to come down there. Yeah. And then the Lord spoke to me in 2006. He said, you had a lobby, you had restrooms, because we had one and one. He said, you had a lobby, you had restrooms. So I put a big lobby on it, about 20 foot long. Put restrooms on each side, three stalls, four stalls, in each one of them. And he said, people are coming. We, uh, we got it finished, because I've done the majority of the work myself. Me and Brother Billy Pugh down there. We we done all the building, we done the construction, we done the framing, the, we done everything. We finally got it finished. We was running about 25, 30 people. From June of 2008 to September, the church kicked up 60 people. And we had them two little restrooms, people would stand in line all service. But the Lord told me people was coming. And then we added a complete different part to the church put a big fellowship hall on it and put classrooms in, put showers in so people could come and stay. And we've still got an apartment upstairs to build for the evangelists that's framed up and just ain't finished. So the evangelists can come and stay. Got a kitchen, got everything. So we've doubled the size of the church in 15 years as far as building. And we put log siding all the way around it. It was just like this little white country church. But God 
blessed. God's going to do the same thing here. God's going to do the same thing here. He's going to run this church over. I'm telling you, don't give up. Hold on. God's going to run it over. But I need your prayers. I need your physical support. I need your financial support. But the greatest thing we need to do is come together as a body and pray. Corporate prayer is important. Corporate prayer, when people got together and prayed, go, go check every revival in history. Go check what happened to Susan Street. They got together and started praying. Every revival that broke out, people got together and started praying together as corporate, as a body. And brought in the move of God. What God tell us here, we come together and start praying. He's in this spirit out all around here. Start going folks in. But until we do what God said, God ain't going to do what He said. So it's important. Corporate prayer is important. Amen. And I know we stretched out a little bit. The corporate prayer is still important. So let's put that effort in, the corporate prayer. We'll be here tomorrow night around 7, 27, 7, 30 to prayer. And then we'll have Bible study Tuesday night. So if you can, be with us. If you can't, you've got responsibilities, I understand. And I appreciate the Lord. we try to make that service important. I believe it will be a blessing to you. Amen. I do. I believe it will be a blessing to you. I want you to honor God today and you give it. You know, the Lord told us, He said, Honor the Lord with thy substance, the first fruit of all thy increase. You do that, God's going to take care of you. He's going to bless you. Hallelujah. Y'all over here is for the church. You got something you want to help us with? It's greatly appreciated. You got ones for missions, put them in a jar. Come on, do what's right in the Lord's eyes. I am excited about what God is doing. Hallelujah. I'm just excited about it. Because I feel something just bust. Glory. The Lord is good. Is He not? All the time. Yes, ma'am. All the time, God is good. Hallelujah. Bless you. I appreciate you. Yes. I talked to Sharon. Uh huh. She said, she got, she was telling me she was like both, you know. I said, what was he wearing? She said, I don't know what he was wearing. I said, Donnie, what was Brother Ben? I said, I think we're that pretty outfit. I had on my dark blue suit and a light blue oh, shirt and a dark blue tie. <laughs> Matter of fact, I got a picture of it. But it was so funny. She said, Donnie, what was he wearing? <laughs> I'll was show you the picture. I'll show you the picture after church. I don't dress up much, and I had somebody take a picture of me and my wife together. I said, I don't I don't suit up much. I said, if I suit up, you can get it for a wedding or a funeral. <laughs> I just don't like preaching neckties. Heard about a preacher one time was preaching, man, pulled the devil, got a hold of his necktie, and nearly choked him to death. In fact, I quit wearing neckties. But I can't preach in them anyway. They, they bind me up. I can't preach a suit coat. Doesn't matter how nice the suit looks, the tie looks. I used to wear it. We had to come out there in 10, 15 minutes. The coat was all, the tie was all. Well, ain't no sense getting all dressed up like that. You just go snatch it off. You love the Lord. Let's ask God to bless this. Father, I thank you for this. For blessing. God, bless your people. Give them wisdom about finances. Give them understanding. God, and let them know you take care of your word. When they do what you put in their heart and in their spirit, God, whether it's by obedience to the word or whether you speak to them or whatever they do, Lord, let it be. That 
you let them know that you take care of your word. Because you said the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. I believe you, Lord. I believe you told us to honor you with our substance and the first fruit of all our increase, that so shall your barns be filled with plenty. And your presses shall burst out with new wine. I believe you, Lord. God, this is 47 years that I've lived by your word. You've always blessed and honored and took care of us. God, that don't mean we ain't seen some lean times and some hard times. But God, you've always been there. Bless this offering. Bless the people. Bless you givers. And I thank you, Lord, for the people that's hanging in here with us. God, you're going to bring us forth. I know what I feel. I give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen.